there, and welcome to the last episode in our four-part mini-series, Vertebraemen, A Club in Demise. My name is Nick Viltagen, and I'll be once again taking you through another episode of the Green and White Doom and Gloom. So far, we've explored the historic heights of the club, what made the team great under Rehagel and Schaaf, and how things started to unravel towards the end of Schaaf's tenure, with the club starting to struggle to find its way ever since. Now it's time to look into the future, and to do just that, I'm once again joined by Flo Reinecke, author of Werder Bremen, Populäre Irrtümer und, an und Andere Wahrheiten, which translates to Werder Bremen, Popular Misconceptions and Other Universal Truths. Flo, are you ready for our last therapy session? Yeah, we, we're looking forward. That should be fun. <laughs> well... <laughs> Before we start getting into previewing the upcoming Bundesliga 2 campaign for Werder Bremen, let's handle a few other issues. The club took a gamble ahead of the 1920 campaign when it wanted to get back to Europe and signed a few expensive players. As we all know, it didn't pay off. However, it has left Werder in some considerable financial problems. How deep are those financial problems going right now, Flo? It's really dire. So uh, Werder sold Rashica for a decent sum this summer, but Baumann already said that they need to sell more players, uh, which really strengthens your bargaining position if you emphasize that <laughs> beforehand. Uh, I think smart move once again there. They sold bonds to, to fans and investors and got uh, se uh, around 70 million euros for that in cash. But, I mean, it's still a loan and due in 2026, so that is more kicking the can down the road. And uh, it's possible they get a point deduction this year if they aren't able to sell players at least close to their value. I mean, we can have doubts. We record on the 19th of July. So, but like what, uh, how Baumann happened, I don't think there will be any changes probably until you hear that. It's, it's not really happening that much. And so it's, it's hard to tell how dire the financial situation is unless we don't know how many players they sell. Bauman said that they're, like the plan is that there will be 15 to 20 transfers still to be made in the rest uh, six weeks until the transfer windows closes. So at one point it should be busy, but not right now at Bremen. And so that it makes really, it, it makes it tough for Anfang and it makes tough for us to really get a feel like how the outlook of this squad is because it's really depending on who, who will stay, who will leave. And mm. yeah, I mean, Mirko Slomka already made up his mind saying that that Werder Bremen are favorites to win the Bundesliga 2 with that squad. <laughs> Probably assuming that Werder is not able to sell any more players. But, you know, you we have been kicking Frank Baumann pretty hard over the last two or three episodes, both me and you. But let's mention something that shows that he does have at least a modicum of, you know, far-sightedness in his plans because he's actually built in a clause in every contract that he has uh, negotiated with the players that reduces their wages by 40 to 16% upon being relegated to the Bundesliga 2. So a lot of these players are now on or all of these players, are not on wages that are far lower than they used to be in the Bundesliga. So you would imagine that a lot of these players are keen to get out as well, aren't they? Yeah, they would be, but, like, they lost value. I mean, like, we're, we're, Who wants them? apart from a few players, like Marco Friedel, for instance, I think uh, is probably able to find a club which pays him the amount he 
got at Bremen last season. But more like Bremen paid some good money for their top players. So I'm I'm not sure that they are able to find clubs without any problems that would pay them as much as they earned last season. So um of course every one of them would probably want to have an, a nice contract, but I don't think it's happening for all of them. I think Friedel is an exception. I, I for myself see Augustinson as a exception. I, I don't really understand why no one is trying to like at least very solid left backs. It's like they should be sought after because uh, it's, it's a sin position. But he had a good European Championship. Is for Bremen is probably a bummer that Sweden went out the unlucky as they did. Although Augustinsson got himself injured anyway, so maybe he would have been able to play. But like if like the, the dream scenario would have been Augustinsson playing against England, having a good performance, and like some English club just like splashing the cash to get this guy they probably saw for the first time playing against England. But like pay pay thirty million anyway. But it's it seems like it's not going to happen. So every player could be sold, no exceptions, on on the Bremen side. They just don't know like which player is able to get them some money. And that, I think that may be also the reasoning why they they try everything that Jojo Eggestein tries to get a new job because he's just got one year left on his contract. But I, he would be insane right now to extend his contract at Bremen. So why would he do that? The club hasn't treated him very well. And I think that's some part maybe of the reasoning why they they so like they emphasizing so much that there isn't really a position for Eggestein in the Anfang system. So that, mm. that may be also a, a reason for that. But Many players maybe want out. I think Augustinson is as like Augustinson is probably like he said so himself, and I I I I can't blame him. He's been a model professional ever since he joined Bremen, uh, and, and I think like he he's a top half Bundesliga left back at the least. I I, I don't understand why like he isn't sought of uh, after, but everyone else. Like Josh Sargent, you he has the right passport and he has talent. So and he's having a good preseason, uh, actually finishing some <laughs> in some situations, uh, which he was lacking last season. So I I, I think that Sargent is pro probably the the most likely to get some nice money uh, to Bremen. What has been written so far in the press is that Werder Bremen want around 10 million euros for Josh Sargent. Other clubs, Gladbach, Eintracht Frankfurt among them, have been willing to offer six. Yeah. So um, we might be seeing a deal around 8 million euros coming up. In the you, you need a, no, a Premier League club to want to sign him. Yeah. Then it's happening for then, Trent. Then, then um, it should be happening around eight or nine. But, uh, you know, so, and, uh, Werder is holding I, out. I think with Sargent it can actually work out that he's staying at Bremen. Like, Score a few goals in the first matches of the season and then you're able to to sell them. And I wouldn't like, Sargent is probably not the highest earner because he was signed as a talent. I think they extended his contract one time since he uh, joined the club, but still I think he is not one of the highest earners. They, they probably like, I wouldn't mind in the least 
if Sargent stayed. Because I think like this could be a breakout season for just Sargent. But we he could be seeing similar trouble to what Jojo Eggestein is. Because if Fulkrug is playing as a central striker, then maybe Sargent is going to play on the wing again, which which we saw already last season and which is just not a good idea. He's a central striker and needs to play there. But like these are the best hopes. If you have Eggestein and you have Sargent uh, <laughs> at your disposal, you want them to team up and have like a front two leaving Niklas Fulkrug out of there, I think yeah. his body is not is not made made for, for top professional football anymore. But okay, let's let's sum up in terms of the departures so far. We've seen Milot Rashica leave to Norwich, we've seen Patrick Aris leave to Holstein Kiel, Niklas Moisander's contract wasn't extended, he left for Malmö FF in the Allsvenskan. Theo Gebrselassie, after a decade at Werder Bremen, he, or nine years at Werder Bremen, he joined Slovan Liberec, which I think was his boyhood club. Yannick Engelhardt and Benjamin Goller are both loaned out. Engelhardt to Freiburg 2. Engelhardt hasn't really featured in the Bundesliga squad so far, I think. Benjamin Goller has featured a couple of times, but was on loan at Karlsruhe SC last season. And, you know, he's one of those ambitious wingers that Werder Bremen needs to play the Anfang system. And yet he's loaned out. Ridiculous, yeah. Why? Yeah, I I don't understand that in the least. So I'm not sure that like he would like he's at least a winger, and that's more that can be said of any other player of Bremen. So him not getting the chance to convince Markus Anfang of his qualities, I I don't really understand that. Like he he wasn't really good. Uh, at a stint at Karlsruhe. So I could understand that move if they were saying we're not playing with a winger system because that doesn't suit the squad or if they're saying we got like enough wingers. I would maybe understand that. But like at the situation right now, is this, I'm, 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 I'm at a loss. I, I don't understand that at all. But as a whole, I mean, Gola is 22 and you're loaning him out again. Like what are you expecting? Like he he's... Uh, going to be like he makes a development jump with 26 or 27 like it's it's easy you can you 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 are able to include him in your squad at that age or it's probably not going to happen at your club and uh i'm i'm not sure like how and and again how you can like he's he's not a high earner so it wouldn't be a big gamble to include him yeah it's not like with you know, some of the other guys that you have still in your squad, if you you still have your, you know, Augustine sons, you have your top rugs. Yes. Those those are the guys you need to get rid. Those are the guys top rugs still earning two million euros in the Bundesliga two is insanity, financially speaking. Banya Mangola, financially speaking, including him and even having him on the bench would make sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Although it has to be said that, like, from a sporting perspective, I think that, that both Toprak and Augustinsson, of course, will be yeah. great players to have at your club. It's just, like, probably you're not able to pay them. <laughs> you, you, ha- you would have to give up so much in other areas to make that happen. Mm. And now we sort of we already addressed it because, as as we said, I think in the last episode, uh, Frank Baumann expects still fifteen to twenty transfers to happen come August thirty first. We're recording this on July the nineteenth, 
So there are, well, um, let's, let's do some arithmetic in my head right quickly. There's still over 40 days left in the transfer windows. Uh, so we expect another 15 or 20 transfers to happen for that voter squad. As we mentioned, Marco Friedel, the Eggestein, Sergeant, Toprak, Augustinsson, they're all candidates to, you know, be sold on. And then there's Luca Plogman, the keeper, who's the fourth choice, who needs to make another step in his career, who is also a candidate to be sold on. But who's come in so far? And or what does Werder need in terms of player material going forward as well, in addition to those transfers that have already been made? So um, Brim brought in three defensive players. Nikolai Rapp, he signed from Union, but he was loaned out to Darmstadt. So he knows Markus Anfang. He played under uh, Anfang at Darmstadt as a defensive midfielder. He used to be a centre-back, so he can play both positions. Uh, Lars Lukas Mai, um, he also played under Armstadt, uh, Anfang in Darmstadt. Uh, he's the center back loan, loaned out from Bayern. And Anthony Jung, he used to play in the Bundesliga with Ingolstadt. Uh, he came from Brunby. He's 29. He's quite an experienced guy. He's like, he's not a bad player, but we talked about like how they weren't able to sell any guys so far, which means they now have Jung, Mai, the two new centre-backs. Both have qualities at least sufficient to play in a second Bundesliga. And on top of that, they got Velkovic, Friedel and Toprak. So they got five, you would say in second Bundesliga terms, premium centre-backs in their squad right now, which is obviously too much. Velkovic got himself Corona, which is not helping in the efforts of, of selling him. So I think all three transfers make sense. They're good transfers in my mind. But they address the position where they saw it likely that players will go. But like no one has left so far, which makes it, uh, yeah, some kind of a problem right now. Uh, in the last preseason match, uh, Toprak and Mai were the two defenders that play and I expect my to play and maybe it's Friedel or it's Toprak who accompanies him against Hannover because I think because Anfang knows my from his time at Darmstadt he he has a head start and uh, he, I, he's a really physical guy I think that will fit the football in the, in the second Bundesliga so that's my expectation mm. uh, for the start of the season and the, like the Biggest problem right now are the, is the winger position. And I mean, they address in uh, defensive midfield. Nikolai Rapp is the one who, yeah, Anfang plans to play there, but he's injured right now. So, <laughs> Frederik Ersnes from, from Molde here in Norway might be coming in. It turns out that Werder have agreed terms with him. Uh, they already did so last season, and he's keen to join them, even though they've been relegated to the Bundesliga 2. But the two clubs haven't been able to reach an agreement so far. So Oshness yeah. might be coming in. Yeah, Brim is offering lunch and I think they are wanting 6 million euros. So we are some way apart. Oh, I think they that. want 6 million Norwegian I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Not like, euros. I mean, they're, they're, I, they're, off, yeah. they're not talking 1 million euros. We're talking slightly below 1 million euros. Yeah. I, I just think, think they won't pay... That much, unless the they... contract is up at the end of the year, because uh, the Norwegian yeah. season is obviously played by calendar year, ah, so okay. he could leave uh, Molde on a yeah. free transfer on December thirty first. So yeah, let's root for that to happening. Mm. 
But I, I, I don't think they will spend any money at all as long as they don't have another big income by selling another player uh, or two, mm. uh, at least. Um, and I'm not sure, like, which wingers are they able to sign that merits playing this system as it's just, um, yeah, I, I, I just think it's, it's for now, in my opinion, it's the biggest issue. Maybe we see Aaron Dingshi thrive in the position. Maybe we see Felix Agu playing in a more attacking role. I, I think he probably would be one of the players who would be able to play uh, as an attacking winger as well. But that means that other people have to stay, and, and although um, unless your your depth and defense is is lingering on the uh, fullback position, so it's yeah, it's really work in, in progress right now. I, I like we said that before. It doesn't seem like the system is fitting the squad. Mm. Um, so what football does Marcus Anfang want to play and? How does that squad stack up in terms of, of, of that football? I, I actually, I like the kind of football that Anfang um, plays. Um, he has that approach that the fullbacks, they are often uh, playing more in central. So I'm not, they're not spreading that wide. So to give the wingers more space, he, he's playing an attacking football. But after losing the ball, it's definitely going to get some gegen pressing and to attack early on to reclaim the ball um that's his strategy not to sit too deep but like i said before because of the way that he utilizes his his fullbacks the wingers are pretty important and that's right now you you don't have wingers so if you would make a first 11 in a four-four-two with with a diamond formation, and I think you could make a team that looks pretty pretty good. If you're doing a four-three-three, it means that you have two players who are playing out of position because you don't have any winger. So uh, right now, it could be that on the first match day, because Leonardo, Leonardo Bittencourt got himself injured, um, and he would definitely play on the wing. I think he's one of the few players where I say, okay, it's not like it's not necessarily worse than him playing in um, in the center of the pitch. Less opportunities to shoot. I, I can see that working in the second division. <laughs> it's not his natural position, but I don't like him as a player as a whole. But I, I, I think at least he's able to play that position, and mm. like we can see Jojo Eggestein and Romano Schmidt playing on the wings in the opener against Hannover. And I just think that's not a good fit. Uh, yeah. And, and that's my worry right now. And I think that's something that Bremen has to address. I'm, you could argue that you should sign a coach, especially if you're a club, like who don't have a lot of money, you should sign a coach and ask him. So what, what, like, what, what are your plans with this squad? Cause I can tell you, we can't, get you many new players you will lose some players but as a whole you have to work with this group of players and like if like the coach says yeah i want to implement a system where like it's really important to have speedy wingers who can get on with one-on-one he say, yeah you you say good luck with that but like we're not a club that can provide that <laughs> so it's really it's, it's it's startling to me the tactic of bringing on a 
a coach. And it's not like that Bremen is surprised that Anfang now says that he needs wingers. Like they, they, they knew that all along, still went with Anfang. And so far, there's some promises signed in, in, in preseason, but like we don't know how they stack up in the second Bundesliga. And um, I don't think it's the optimal way to, to go about. What a bleak outlook. All right, let that be part one of our last episode about Werder Bremen, a club in demise. And in part two, we'll be back looking at some of the off-the-pitch issues. Here we go again. That's the last part of our four-part series, Werder Bremen, a club in demise. Now that we've covered the current squad and who possibly is going to leave, what the main issues are in terms of the of the tactics of Marcus Anfang and all that, let's take a closer look at a massive off-the-pitch matter because really the elephant in the room currently for Werder Bremen is the ongoing power struggle behind the scenes. Werder is going to hold a membership meeting in September, which means that the current board is going to see some changes because many of the board members and CEO Mark Boda have decided to step down. So how is Werder Bremen going to change in terms of the top brass? What's going to be happening there? No one knows right now. So I think that it could be a bit chaotic. There's some populist elements close to Jörg Montora who are trying to claim some might inside the club. I'm not sure that is going to happen. I definitely think it's not a good idea, but I'm not sure how important that is. I mean, usually you don't even know who's in the board uh, of a Bundesliga club. And the most important role going forward is the role of Frank Baumann, in my opinion, and of course the role of Markus Anfang. Because we talked about that we would like him to be more adaptable, but at least like he has a clear vision of how he wants his team to play. So let's see where that leads. I I'm definitely giving him a benefit of the doubt, although like I, I don't understand the logic behind most of the decisions about They're playing long long term chess. It's sort of like Magnus Carlsen sort of move that they're like three move moves ahead of us, maybe. Or they're maybe not that good at doing what they do. <laughs> yeah. But I got the feeling that Anfang was fair and square with Bremen. Mm. And it's like, it's Bremen's decision, so Baumann's decision, to do it the Anfang way and not to try to get a coach who says, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got the vision. Like, Bremen was known for the diamond system uh, when they were very successful. There are some clubs that, that were able to revitalize that playing style. So maybe take a leaf out of that book because you don't have any wingers, but you got a, a, a lot of players who play in the middle of the park. So try to emphasize on, on, on that. Mm. That's not happening, but we, we said that before. I don't want to uh, yeah, be too repetitive <laughs> uh, there, but I think it's, it's going to be turmoil. And this uh, membership meeting was postponed last year because of Corona. So there... There wasn't really a way for all the frustration of the um, members and the fans to, to make way. And uh, I think this could be a day of reckoning, especially for Frank Baumann, because um, 
Like Borders stepped down, but Bauman is still there. He's the last piece of that puzzle that was in place. Well, him and Klaus Philby basically out of the old guard that is still at the club. Klaus Philby now is in charge of finances. Yeah. And he, he, he has been talking about getting an investor on board for, I don't know, the last three, four years. Uh, he's talking and, about a lot of stuff for ages. So, and, yeah. you know, he said this summer, and I think in June, that we're really close on signing somebody interesting. And nothing so far has materialized. But, I mean, that is also a thought that probably needs to be addressed either at the membership meeting or down the line because... Thomas Schaaf has said so already himself that if Werder Bremen wants to survive and turn itself into a constant Bundesliga threat and a club that can survive in the Bundesliga and maybe play towards the top of the table, the club might need somebody from the outside to go in and provide itself with some funds because right now, Werder Bremen is on par with teams like Mainz, Augsburg and Freiburg and maybe slightly better off. I, I don't think anymore. I think they they below that level just yeah. because of. I mean, if they've yeah. been in the Bundesliga, they'd be at that level in terms of finances. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I agree. But you know, if you want to, you know, go back to the golden ages where you were at the top of the table, you need a guy who can provide you with some money. I mean, Hurt have done with Lars Lintos, who is quite a windy character. Yeah. It's in his name least. already. So. <laughs> but who would that be? Who would be the guy who turns Werder Bremen into top? top tier club once again and provides enough cash for for the board to throw around uh i don't know like my uh, my vision is always that bex like bex is a worldwide beer and you you can drink it everywhere and on the uh the bex etiquette i'm not sure if that's the right word but on it it's on the label yeah beyond the label is bremen and that's like the key um, the emblem of the city, Bremen. So that would be, I, I don't understand why, like, like, how good would it look, a Bremen jersey with backs, or maybe just with the, the key, the, the backs label, which and the city label. And that would be, like, my most realistic scenario of, of a company. Mm. Um, but, buying into the club and helping the club to success. But I think they belong to Anheuser Busch. Mm, um, but do you think it's necessary for Werder Bremen to get some outside help in order to survive and maybe make a viable challenge towards Bundesliga places once again? Or can the club by itself get out of the mess they created over the last decade and get back into the Bundesliga and survive there? Uh, I, I think it's possible. But you have to make a lot of good decisions on the way. I mean, if you're looking at a club like Frankfurt, they, they developed from a team nearly relegated to Champions League contender. As far as I know, it's not so much outside money that went into the club. It's more like they won the cup. That's the lucky thing that happened. And uh, I think if you analyze what Frankfurt did, like you have to say without that cup win, which led to them playing in the Europa League, Probably most of the stuff wouldn't wouldn't be possible. But after that, they they did so much right, and before that, they did a lot of right stuff as well. So if you go over like the squads that Frankfurt had over the last five or six years, you see that a lot of their players that they brought in were sold again for big profits as well. 
Yeah. I mean, the player turnover they had and the, the amount of amazing talent they were able to get in in each transfer window has been amazing. And Werder Bremen had that with Tim Steiten in a sense, that you had these amazing transfers that were always right on the money. Whilst over the last couple of years, Werder lost that. And I mean, that is probably the biggest difference between Frankfurt over the last few years and Werder in terms of the creativity of the transfers. Yeah. And I think if a guy comes into the club just splashes the money and nothing changed from the decision-making progress I, I don't i think the money will be wasted so you need a clear vision for the club and then you have to follow it through and i i think that's more important having money would be nice but i don't really think that money was the biggest issue in uh, why bremen got relegated in the end i mean they did spend that like they They had a must-buy clause on Selke for 10 million. They did spend almost double figures on Furkrug. They did spend 7 million on Bittencourt. So they, it's not like they didn't spend money. It's like that wasn't, in, in my opinion, like uh, wasn't the reason. They, they didn't spend it sensibly. <laughs> and they weren't able to sell any players for bigger money. And that was. Like they, they just were spending, but not getting anything out of it. And um, mm. so that has, they have to turn around that moving forward. I agree. But they still like from all in the second Bundesliga, they should be a powerhouse. It's uh, unfortunate that, I mean, Schalke did go down as well. Hamburg didn't go up. So you have a lot of, Clubs with potential in the second Bundesliga right now it doesn't help that just the first two get direct promotion. But uh, I still think they, if they play their cards right, they can be successful in the second Bundesliga. Then it's going up, and like the Bundesliga this year is not as strong maybe as in years before. I think there's potential if you go up, you can stay there, but long term. You can't rely on like single good results. You you have to have, like I said before, that vision, and that's the most important thing. And I, and I, at the moment, I I can't see anyone like splashing the cash uh, for Bremen. So yeah, mm. yeah, I'm pessimistic in in that regard. Yeah, I would agree. And you know, I mean, you would need somebody who has a clear cut vision like Ralph Rangnick, though. You don't want Rolf Rangnick at Werder Bremen. <laughs> don't get me wrong. You don't want Rolf Rangnick. But you want you want that sort of character who can turn things around, look at structures, rejuvenate the club, sort out the youth system. You know, there's a lot of things that need to be done over the next five or six years. And whilst you still have Bauman and Philby and some of these, you know, old guard at, at the club, you don't know how this is going to happen. So a pair of new eyes in each direction you, you turn might might be the right answer. But we'll we'll see what happens. It's going to be an exciting Bundesliga 2 season for both of us. Um, Hopefully in a good way. Nick. Let's hope when we make it, if we make a podcast about Werder Bremen next season, we'll do a Bundesliga preview, not a Bundesliga 2 or, God forbid, a Dritte Liga preview. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I mean... There's some fans out there who say that, like, we have to uh, be careful not 
to like getting into a relegation battle in the second Bundesliga straight away. Right now, I don't think it's very likely because like I cover the Bundesliga and the second Bundesliga, and uh, I think what like many people don't realize that the gap between Bundesliga and, and second Bundesliga is is pretty big. Mm. So I I still think like even if like they're not uh, in the promotion battle, I think that's definitely possible that it's not the case. I I just don't think that they will stoop so low that there will be trouble of relegation in the third division. And I hope I'm not mistaken there. Let's hope so. Well, this is it for the entire mini-series, Werder Bremen, a club in demise. Hope you enjoyed the entire series and that you may have learned a thing or two along the way. Uh, Flo, always great chatting with you. Let's meet up again throughout the season and, and podcast some more because it's been really fun for me. Yeah, I'm definitely up for it, Nick. So... Maybe we have some positive updates along the way. Yeah, let's let's hope for that. This series was scripted and hosted and produced in part one and part two by me, Nick Viltong. Part three and four have been produced by Aiden Rantoul. If you have any feedback regarding the series, uh, make sure to direct that towards me or Talking Foosball on Twitter. My handle is at Musings, or the podcast can be reached at Talking Foosball. Make sure to give us a rating on iTunes. Tell us what you think about our podcast, about the series, or if you have any questions regarding the Bundesliga or Bundesliga 2, let's have your feedback, let's have your questions. We are always happy to answer them. Until next time, it is goodbye for now. Auf Wiedersehen.